Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. So we're coming to you live from Corona Apocalypse. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> we are uh, in Portland, Oregon, where shit's getting crazy, man. Yeah. So we are still practicing our social distancing. We're being we're doing this across the table, but we still wanted to get together and record some episodes to get you going or keep you going. During these crazy times, because yeah. podcasts still remain open. Podcasts are open. While sports will fail us, everything else is getting shut down. Our podcasts are here to stay. So we will keep recording and putting out content for you guys as long as we both feel well. Yeah, that's fair to say. And that that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Isolation's not going well for me. Let us know, because I'm bored out of my mind. And there's nothing to freaking do here because everything is closed and I'm yeah. over it. Absolutely. I actually was telling Kara that doing the research for these episodes, I, that was my little escape. Same. Yeah. I got to the point where I was like, I can't do another thing of work. I can't do any of this stuff. It's like I had to break up my day. And when I sat down to do this, I, it was the most productive I felt all day. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So it's been fun. And I think uh, at least for this one, it'll be a full episode. So cool. I'm excited to give you guys a story. And this one is a spooky story. Before we dive into the spooky, though, quick update, because I do want to make sure that we mention this on this episode. Oh, um, sure. I got an article sent to me by my friend Stephanie about the Ward Weaver property. If you guys remember, we did an episode about Ward Weaver and the murders that happened in Oregon and the whole family affair as far as like him, his dad, his right. son, everything like that. So the property that the bodies of his victims, Miranda and Ashley, were found on is actually going to be renovated. Whoa. Yeah. So the article says that the house that used to stand on the property obviously is gone now. Sure. Um, it's been gone for some time, but basically nothing else has been built up in that space. So the property has been bought by an organization called Love in the Name of Christ or Love Inc. And basically what their plan is, is that they're going to build on the property and potentially use that for a place to community outreach and that kind of thing as a way to kind of like memorialize the girls, but also like make good use of it within the community. So the idea is that they're going to like offer meals, offer services, that kind of thing. Super Um, cool. And that is the plan right now. So I thought that was a really... um, It's an interesting development. Yeah. And it's kind of a positive closure for an area that's been obviously marred by darkness. So... That's kind of exciting. That's super cool. I should see that cool. starting here soon. That's really cool to make something positive out of such a nasty place. Yeah. Especially because it's embedded in the community, right? Like it's in this suburban Yeah, I mean, it's area. in a neighborhood. So they said like basically like the house was torn down, everything like that. But it's basically just a lot. Right. And they've been taking care of like the yard maintenance and that kind of stuff. But otherwise, there's just like nothing nothing's there. happened with it. And they said they've been kind of hesitant to sell it because of like. The history. The history and like it's not really, I don't know that they have a lot of interested buyers. Right. But this organization thought this would be a really good opportunity. They've been looking for some space to expand anyway. So. Nice. And it would be a good way for them to make um, 
lemonade out of lemons, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, that's a, that's a good uh, update. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Steph, for sending that over. I don't know where to start with this. <laughs> so you said we're getting spooky. Yeah, you're definitely getting spooky. So how I came to want to research this was, again, during my travels in the Midwest, my mother-in-law and I were Googling and searching for some spooky stuff to do. Decided to start road tripping the morning I got there. I got there at 5 a.m. and we started road tripping. Our first stop from Chicago was straight to Gary, Indiana. I am so lucky, beyond happy, that I have not only a wife, but a mother-in-law that may think I'm crazy, but will do crazy shit with me. <laughs> so we were Googling spooky, scary things to do or why sites Gary? to see. Why Gary, Indiana? So the reason why we went to Gary, Indiana was because when I Googled things around spooky things to do around Chicago, da 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 there was Gary that kept popping up because it is one of the most abandoned cities in the U.S., if not the most abandoned cities. And I'll give you some more history on yeah. that in just a minute. But some of the buildings that you can find on Google or Pinterest, they were once beautiful buildings like churches. Mm -hmm. And now they were all completely dilapidated, completely abandoned, broken down. And I was like, if anything, some cool pictures. It's just a drive-by kind of town now. Mm-hmm. And also, it was uh, the place where Michael Jackson's home was. Oh, my gosh. When, so, you, when I got the pictures that you guys were there, I was so oh, So, so that's where Gary, Indiana is. Michael Jackson's uh, childhood home was there. All of the... Which is just a lot now, right? However many Jacksons are <laughs> there are. No, the house is still up. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was just a lot. No, the house is still up. It's all boarded up. I don't know if anyone is living there, but it's definitely maintained. We um, do have pictures of all this that we'll right. post. And the street was renamed, I think, Jackson Avenue or Jackson yeah. Street. But the house is still up. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's... it's look like an Indiana thing or a Midwest thing where... I'm sorry, the windows weren't boarded up, but they had almost like metal shutters that were pulled down on every window. That might be a storm thing. It might be. So we couldn't see into the house. So I yeah. couldn't tell if there was someone actually living in the house. Anyway, we decided to roll through there and venture into the church that was abandoned, take some pictures there, got some really cool pictures. We didn't go into the church as much as I wanted to. <laughs> Because they're willing, but to an extent. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there was uh, pieces of the structure that were hanging on by threads. So it wasn't safe to walk in there. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that there's definitely either squatters, homeless people. It's been vandalized. So we didn't want to go into like the basement. Mm -hmm. And some of the stairs to the upstairs um, were broken. So you can't really get in there. So Gotcha. But it was still a really cool place to see. So, uh, while we were researching, we saw that one of the most haunted houses in the U.S. was in Gary, Indiana. This is the Ammon House, a.k.a. the House of 200 Demons. 
Dun, dun, dun. 200 demons? Yes. Ooh. That's a lot. One that's demon a, is enough, thank that's you. That's a lot of demons. <laughs> At one point, Gary, Indiana was the second largest city in Indiana. It had a very lucrative steel industry, but in the last 10 years or so, it has seen its share of bad luck. In 2008, the chief of police, Thomas Houston, was convicted of using excessive force and abuse of authority in 2008. He died in 2010 while serving a three-year and five-month prison sentence. In 2011, the mayor, Rudy Clay, announced that he would not be running for a re-election due to him being treated for prostate cancer. Due to budget deficits, Gary, Indiana had to shut down most of its public schools and the steel industry moving out of town. Since 2011, the population of Gary, Indiana has steadily decreased, and as of today, more than one-third of the houses and buildings are abandoned or unoccupied. The population there today is less than 100,000. Most of the buildings and houses have fallen to decay or vandalism. Hmm. And I'll show you guys some pictures of the town, and you can Google this too, but it's walking into a ghost town to a town that looks almost post-apocalyptic. It is kind of scary, and we also rolled in around 7 a.m., so the fog was still rolling in, and... Oh, so it was like... It looked creepy, but cool. Yeah. So in November of 2011, LaToya Ammons, her mother Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three children, ages 7, 9, and 12, moved into a small cottage-looking house in Gary, Indiana. This was a new page in the family's life, a new beginning. They were excited to be moving into this house. Almost as soon as they had settled into the house, weird things began happening to them. So remember, they moved in in November, and on December of 2011, there was a weird occurrence where their house was plagued by horseflies. Ooh. So this isn't your normal houseflies, right? Right. These are huge. They're three to four times larger than a normal housefly. They're black they're disgusting looking gross the flies were in their front door between their door and their screen like their porch screen okay got it but that's where they would always be the mom and latoya would always swat at them put up fly papers and it was there were so many that they would sweep them they would kill them and sweep them every single day for a couple days in a row and they would keep coming back that's so weird you got to keep in mind, this was in December, so there was no reason or cause for flies to be around their house right. in this frigid weather. Right. Okay. So Latoya and her mom, Rosa, had many frightening nights when they would be woken up by the thudding of what sounded like steps of someone in their basement. At first, they would wake up and be terrified to move a muscle, thinking that it was possibly someone that had broken into their house. LaToya finally gathered enough courage to turn on the lights and open the basement door. After inspecting the basement and the entire house, they realized that there was no physical intruder. Night after night, the sounds would continue and the sounds would get worse. They heard what sounded like knocking on the basement door coming from the inside, and eventually it progressed into a growling sound that they could only describe that as an animal. Ooh. Eventually, the paranormal activity was no longer just happening in the basement. Mm -hmm. One night, Rosa was woken up late one night, and from her room, she could see the figure of a man walking back and forth in their living room. 
being so frightened that she was frozen and didn't act until the until it was morning time. When she walked out into the living room to investigate, the rest of the family joined her and saw that there was big, wet footprints on the floor. Oh, no. Nope. All the doors and windows were locked, so there was no evidence that there had been a physical intruder in the house. Ooh. So everything I just told you happened within the first four months of the family being in their house. I don't know. I would have already chosen to move out of the house. I would have moved. (laughs) Or I would have, you know, completely smudged the house by now and thrown a gallon of holy water all around (laughs) it. I don't know what, but something would have happened. And in March of 2012, the family, along with friends, were over at the Ammons house. There had been a death in the family, and they were all at the house mourning the person that passed away. They were hanging out, chatting, and reminiscing the person. Before they knew it, it was late. The adults were awake, and most of the kids were laying down or asleep in different parts of the house. One of Latoya's kids went to the adults and said that she was getting pulled off the couch by someone she couldn't see. They wrote this off as a kid being a kid. Not too much after that, another kid said that they felt like they got shoved. As the adults picked up their conversation again, thinking that these were just kids being kids, they were abruptly interrupted by a loud scream coming from a room that one of Latoya's daughters and her cousins were in. According to Ammons, she went to check on the kids to find her 12-year-old daughter unconsciously levitating above her bed. (gasps) No! And without hesitation, everyone gathered around the child and began praying until she fell back to the bed. All the family and friends that had been in the house that night left scared and avoided the house at all costs. I bet. (laughs) It was because of this crazy incident that LaToya and her family were ostracized by their church community because rumors spread and they thought that they were imagining things or just making things up. But it was at this point that LaToya asked for help. LaToya was desperate to get help for her and her family and their house, and it wasn't until she begged a lot of churches that she finally found a minister that was willing to go over to their house and assess what might be happening. The minister visited the house and said that the house was indeed troubled by spirits and recommended that in order to cleanse the house of these spirits, the house should be thoroughly cleaned with bleach and ammonia, and that all the doors and windows should be marked with crosses. I know. Ammonia? (laughs) I know. Bleach and ammonia. I've never heard that before. If you've heard of this before, I've never heard of this kind of cleansing or or smudge. I mean, I've heard of smudging, but I've never heard of bleach and ammonia. (laughs) Yeah, that's very, that's very odd. So there is no information on whether or not the activity continued in the house, but I am making an educated guess that it did based on LaToya's next move. Okay. So LaToya and Rosa contacted two clairvoyants and invited them into the house to see if they could share some information on what they thought might be happening in the house. The two clairvoyants advised LaToya and Rosa that there was more than 200 demonic spirits in their house. What? And that the root of the spirits was in the basement of the house 
Oh, no. And that they should especially get the children out of the house immediately. That's scary. Yeah. So moving out of the house was not an option for them. They couldn't afford to break the lease. They had no other alternative at this point. So they had to think of an alternative way to try and get rid of the spirits that were at their house. 200 of them. Oh, that's... And since that was their only option, one of the clairvoyants suggested that some of the things that they should do would be making a makeshift altar. (laughs) Altar. Altar. A makeshift altar in the basement. Covering up the table with a sheet and placing a candle on the sheet. Latoya uh, dressed all in white. Using a stick of sage from a local (laughs) occult shop, went through the house with the burning stick, reading from Psalm 91, invoking God's protection. After blessing and smudging every room in the house, she returned to the basement and placed the Bible on the altar open to the psalm. This cleansing finally gave the family the peace they wanted. That's it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, I was like, okay, we're done. All right. (laughs) That only lasted for three days. Then shit, it really hit the fan here. Oh, okay. So it didn't help at all. No. Made it worse. Well, it helped for three days. Oh, okay. They had three days of peace. That's good. I mean, it sounds like things were happening almost on a daily basis. So maybe three days did seem like a relief for them. Yeah. All right. So I'm quoting directly from ChicagoHauntings.com here because they did a phenomenal job at uh, summarizing kind of what happened next. So Latoya went on record with Indie Star, a local newspaper, claiming that the demons possessed not only her, but all three of her children. The possession would come and go without any warning, but there was no mistaking when it did happen. Okay. One of the kids... When they were, quote, possessed, Uh their eyes will be bulging and they would be smiling lovelessly and they would be growling cryptic words and phrases that no one could understand. No. They all felt lightheaded and they all had fatigue that they could not explain. Headaches were a daily problem for everyone in the house. Each child was targeted differently. The youngest began speaking of an imaginary friend who would coax him into the closet to play for hours on end. Well, that sounds like And a... who talked about knowing what it was like to be killed. What? Yeah. Then... Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a little alarming. I'd be like, uh, no, you're not going into the closet to play with his imaginary friend anymore. No. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, no. We're not doing that. Nope. Her nine-year-old... Once began speaking about what it feels like to be murdered. Okay. That, yep, that's yep. a that's a red flag. Her daughter, the twelve year old, heard a disembodied voice tell her that she should not live another twenty minutes and that her family was going to be taken away. So all of these kids are having these interactions. Yes. With different I guess experiences. Yeah. Yeah. They're all having different experiences. Well, that would explain it if there's 200 demons living yep. there. They each have a couple, I guess. Um, all right. So Latoya claimed that her family also continued to be physically attacked in the house. Her daughter was thrown up against the headboard and the hit was so hard that she ended up needing stitches. And her younger boy was thrown 
into the bathroom by a tremendous force. The attacks became so bad some nights that for relief, the family had to stay in a hotel. Uh, And still, they remain at the house. Yeah, I wouldn't go back. No, me neither. That's odd. Absolutely not. Because they were getting physically assaulted at this point, they had to go into their doctor to see if there was anything that they could do or to see if there was something maybe mentally wrong with the kids. So... They were seeking at this point any hope. And according to the testimony of medical staff, and this also appears in their Child Protective Services uh, file, the two young boys, once they were in the doctor's office, began cursing at the doctor and making growling noises. The younger boy then began being lifted and thrown against the office wall. So this wasn't even exclusive to the house at this point. It had... Attached to them. Walked with them, yep. Both boys then fainted. Someone called 911. And a lot of police arrived. No one was quite sure what was going on. And remember, they were at the clinic, so they were taken to the hospital where the staff was literally laughing at LaToya's accounts of what had been happening. Oh, no. When the boys woke up, The nine-year-old seemed himself, but the younger child had to be held down by five men. That's a a, a five grown men. And someone at the hospital, it's unknown exactly who, called Child Protective Services at this point because of the situation. Some of them actually thought that maybe they were acting out on LaToya's command. What? That she was telling them, like, what to say or what to do. None of this made sense. Okay. So the caseworker arrived at the hospital to interview the entire family. An exam found that the children were healthy and free of bruises or any other marks. Latoya had been examined by a hospital psychiatrist and found to be stable. But while the caseworker interviewed the children, you gotta listen to this part. <laughs> the seven-year-old boy began growling and baring his teeth. His eyes bulged and rolled back in his head. He then attempted to strangle his older brother and had to have his hands pried off by the adults in the room. Oh, that doesn't sound like something that a mother is putting them up to doing. I mean, I've heard crazier things, but... But that's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's that's different. So suspecting that the children were for some reason performing at their mother's urging, the caseworker later brought them into an isolated exam room joined by a nurse and his grandmother. Again, I don't know what this caseworker was thinking. What? Right. Why would you think a mom would put them up to this? If no, anything, and that wouldn't make, make her sense. look good. And Yeah. So according to the caseworker's report, which was backed up by the nurse, the younger boy immediately began to growl again before telling his mother, it's time to die. Oh, no. At the same time, the older boy began thrusting his head into his grandmother's stomach at which point Rosa grabbed his hand and began to pray. Then, with a weird grin, the older boy walked backwards several steps up the wall and the ceiling, <sighs> glided across the ceiling no. over his grandmother, no. <sighs> landed on his feet, all while never letting go of his grandmother's hand. Uh, what? Oof. 
there's some reenactments of this, uh, and I'll find you some pictures of it. Yeah. There's uh, some reenactments about what happened in the doctor's office that day because they were not alone in the room. Other people witnessed this. So it wasn't okay. just the grandmother saying this happened. It wasn't just the kids saying this happened. The okay. caseworker saw it, and I'm sure they probably had, I don't know, probably a doctor or physician in the room as well. So there were, the like, hospital. several people that could confirm right. it that yeah. weren't just the family. So I, this kid just walked up the wall and That's onto the ceiling. not normal. The youngest boy spent the night at the hospital with his mom, and the next morning... Uh, was his eighth birthday, so the family showed up with a small cake and, <laughs> and life just gifts went on to celebrate him. But that's as happy as it would get. The hospital allowed them to celebrate his birthday, but an hour or so later, the child protective services showed up and advised that the three kids would be taken away. Oh, as if that's somehow the family's fault. The kids were taken away from the mom. The Child Protective Services petitioned the court for temporary wardship of the three children because of, what do they call it, extensive religious stress. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. So that's what they were using as the reason why the kids were being taken away. I didn't know that that was a legal thing. Like, isn't that a violation of separation of church and state? I don't know. But the caseworker literally okay. saw the kid walk up, up backwards okay. and up a ceiling. I mean, so. I guess there's that. Yeah. I'm sure they cut some corners and made some shit happen <laughs> real quick because they're like, we don't know what's happening, but the but kids need to get away. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So there was a clinical psychologist that did tests on all three children and determined that they were all uh, psychologically stable. There was nothing mentally or physically wrong with them. The kids were separated into two different houses while mom figured this shit out, I guess. (laughs) Um, Where do you even begin to start on that? Like, yeah, by the sage and... I don't know why. I mean, I understand it's hard to break a lease or to just up and move. But were on they a newly leasing it? Or... Yeah, it was a okay. rent, so it wasn't a, a buy. Okay. Um, and what year was this happening? Two thousand eleven. Okay. 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 And a psychologist at St. Joseph's had a diagnosis that he thought Latoya had presumably influenced the older children into believing the family was possessed. So they thought, uh, because they all had the same tales about what was happening in the house, that LaToya was putting them up to this or repeating stuff enough to where the kids were regurgitating the information and that this was all her doing. Like, at least the kids telling the stories about what was happening in the house. Weird. Okay. Right? So. While Latoya is trying to figure this shit out, her and her mom and three different officers from the initial visit that um, they returned to what we're now referring to as the Demon House. Okay. On May 10th. It's been officially named. Yes. Okay. And they were joined by Father, um, I think it's Magino, Magino, Magino. I'll trust your judgment. It's M-A-G-I-N-O-T. Because I'm thinking like Pinot, like Pinot Noir. Like the I-N-O-T. Magino? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll go with Magino. 
Okay. If it's not, then sorry. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they were joined by Father Machino, two Lake County officers, and a police dog because they wanted to know whether or not there was a body in the basement. Oh no. And also a different caseworker who had volunteered to take the original caseworker's place because the original one did not want to go back into that house. The group went down into the basement where the caseworker saw a peculiar substance stripping from the wall. Touching it, the group found it was slippery and tacky. Father Magino told police he wanted to investigate the dirt floor under the stairs for either a human body or a pentagram or personal objects that might be buried there, which would indicate a curse and consequently a demonic presence in the house. Oh boy. Part of the search was based on a recent series of strange visits from Latoya's boyfriend which had led Father Magino to believe that he had possibly placed a curse on the family. Is it he supposed to get rid of the curses? The father? Yeah. I'll get to that, too. Okay. He can't just go willy-nilly in there and and perform an exorcism, apparently. Okay. Got it. (laughs) So, Have to be licensed for that kind of thing? uh, Yeah, licensed to kill demons. Yep. So... Knew it. This day at the house, the police said that the dirt area looked like the concrete might have been removed specifically to bury something. And with this added information, they began to dig. They removed a four-foot portion of the dirt. The group found a press-on fingernail, a sock, a political button... And a pair of boys' socks with the feet cut off. A lid for a pan and a pair of underpants. Weird. Also among the items was a heavy weight. And I couldn't get more information on whether it was like a rock or a piece of concrete. But the group wondered whether it might be connected to foul play or accidental death that may have occurred in the house, especially since the youngest boy was experiencing an imaginary friend who claimed that had been killed. Okay. At Magino's instruction, the officers shoveled the dirt back in and the priest sprinkled the area with blessed salt. All right, so I'm going to give you some information on the boyfriend and why his presence was fishy. Was this a criminal investigation that was happening? At this point, I I don't even know not if sure. they... Okay. Not sure. I think the police were there because they were escorting, like, the caseworker, maybe. Okay, got it. So, but there wasn't a criminal investigation because there wasn't any documented abuse towards the kids or... Okay. At this point. I just wanted to double check or that. at any point. But, okay. Okay. So, Latoya had been seeing a man for some time when she was when she discovered that he had been married. Oh no. She broke it off, but he continued to pursue her and even finding out the location of her new home in Gary, Indiana and showing showing up at the door, sometimes trying to see her children while she was at work. Uh-oh. Creepy. Super creepy. What is I don't understand the point, too, of, like, trying to see somebody's kids. Well, yeah, right. That's not You're going to sweet-talk the kids into making her like you again? Like, yeah, that's no. not too likely. And doesn't make you look good. Anyway. No. Um, Latoya had found out about the man's wife from his wife, 
who called her one afternoon to confront her about this. And Latoya was completely hit from left field. Like she had no idea that he was a married man. Mm -hmm. And because she didn't want to be the other woman, she immediately did the right thing, called it quits. Absolutely. But before she could hang up the phone, Latoya heard the woman's last words be, you will regret ever messing with my husband. Oh, that's not fair. She didn't even know. And they felt like maybe his wife was putting some kind of curse on them. Oh, interesting. Right. Because there were many things that were strange. The first time that the boyfriend moved in with her, he asked for her underwear. So at some point when they were dating, when they were going out, uh, the first time that he came over, he asked for a pair of Latoya's underwear. She asked for what? He told her it was to remember this wonderful moment. Romantic. Or some bullshit. And also around that time, and she never thought about it until this started happening, Mm -hmm. but she was missing a pair of Air Jordans, expensive-ass fuck shoes, and uh, none of the kids took it. Right. And then no one knew where they'd been, where they'd gone. So... Although that wasn't one of the things that were found in the dirt, but still things were going missing around the house. Mm -hmm. And then also around that time, Latoya wanted to have a family picture to hang in the living room. And she was looking through a stack of pictures that she had and saw that some photos of the kids and of them all together were missing. Weird suspect. The police captain left after... Soon after, while all the others stayed to continue their investigation of the home, Mm -hmm. it was at this point that they noticed some slippery substance dripping from the blinds again. Oh, no. More than a month earlier, Latoya and her mother had blessed the doors and windows with olive oil at the suggestion of a church worker, but the oil never dried and almost seemed to increase in substance and quantity. Unable to determine the source of it, they wiped it off and closed the door to the room to see if it would reappear on its own, suspecting that LaToya or Rosa were placing it there. So they were going to test them. Okay. Sure enough, when they went back into the room about 30 minutes later, all the tacky, gooey stuff was back on the blinds. Oh, boy. Father Magino told officers that such unknown substances were often found as a physical manifestation of demonic possession. Hmm. No, thank you. No. It I was, mean a pass. Yeah, I don't want... Hard pass. You're already pissing me off, not letting me sleep, and you're going to throw shit on my blinds? Get the fuck out of here. Like, Get no. out of here. It was this manifestation on the heels of all that he had seen and heard that led Father Magino to write the Bishop Dale Meltzer and request per- permission to perform an exorcism. The request- permission from who? Um, the church? The, yes, the Catholic Church. Okay. The request was not granted. Oh. <laughs> and Father Magino received advice that he should just perform a minor exorcism on Latoya. Okay. Yeah, just the baby one. Just a, just a mini, if you will. And this is a, a direct quote again. He arranged to perform a series of powerful blessings on the house and then to perform a minor exorcism on Latoya. The case manager and two police officers attended the exorcism, 
during which the caseworker claimed to feel something unseen in the room. Hmm. That same caseworker told a reporter that problems continued to follow her after this event for a few weeks. She was burned in a motorcycle accident. She broke her ribs jet skiing and broke her hand in one accident and broke her ankle in another. This was the caseworker. All separate instances? All separate incidents. Wow. All in a matter of a few weeks. I'd be like, I quit. I'm I'm done. done. Retired. I'm out. Absolutely. I would stay home in bed. I don't want to be out and about. So after doing quarantine, the, yeah, can you quarantine yourself, please, from these demons? This is a really good time Does for coronavirus. <laughs> so after doing the minor exorcisms, Father Machino tasks Latoya with trying to gather more intel on the demons that were in the house and were possessing her. It was really important to identify the demons because with their names in hand, it was easier to identify what demons could possibly be after her and then how to exercise them. Okay. Because they each have different powers or mm-hmm. their strong suits and I don't know, maybe a different verse for each. Well, I've know. heard it's more effective too if you know what name to call them. Probably because yeah. they know they're being targeted, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Latoya struggled in this search of finding their names and I guess within herself or during the possession. So she started looking up on the internet what might, might sound right to her. It's like and, WebMD for demons. Yeah. <laughs> Diagnose your demon. While she was doing this, she said that her computer continually crashed. It would freeze, turn on and off by itself. But she continued trying to look for the names because she knew that well, at this point, what else could you do? Right. Right. So until after research and so much research, she finally found the names what that felt right of the demons that might be possessing her. Okay. And one of the spirits uh, on her Google searches, uh, she found that was specifically meant to harm children, which like- is... Which would explain the kids getting thrown. Right. And getting hurt. And after hearing these names, Father Magino once again requested permission to perform the exorcism. And this time the Catholic Church granted him permission. Okay. So I think the Catholic Church, and I don't know their procedure, but might not just willy-nilly give out permission when someone says, hey, I need to do an exorcism, they want, like, names, probably. I think mm-hmm. that's probably what they were waiting for. Obviously, in this case, it worked. That right. Once they had names, they gave them the green light to go ahead and do it. Three major exorcisms were required to complete. That's what Father Magino set out to do. The first two were done in English, and the third was in Latin. In attendance were two of the police officers who had been involved in the case since the first home visit to offer both emotional and physical strength in case the superhuman strength, which is common in exorcisms, became an issue. During the first two exorcisms, Latoya convulsed and thrashed, falling asleep at times, which Father Magino believed was a way for the demons to lessen their power of the ritual. So if they made her fall asleep, kind of a way to not get to them. It's like deflecting, yeah. 
but the hold seemed to be lessened by the end of the second attempt, after which Father Magino went on retreat to refresh himself to find for the final confrontation. So I'm sure this was exhausting. Yeah. Right? Not just the officers, but Latoya, but even the priest was like, I need a refresh. Yeah. I need a spa day. Yeah. By the time I need a spa day. <laughs> By the time of the final exorcism, I couldn't get the date on this completely right, but it was either June or July of 2012. Uh, the police were no longer there. Father Magino asked his brother to assist. After some minor convulsions during the event, Latoya fell asleep, and it would be, at least for now, the end of her possession. She regained custody of her children in the fall of 2012. We're all together, or brought back together, children, I'm sorry, six months after this last exorcism. I'm sure Child Protective Services had to clear some shit before yeah. just giving the kids back. So she got her children back. Oh, God. And moved. Thank God. Yeah. So after the exorcism and towards the end of it, it says, this is a direct quote from, from the pastor. It says, after the exorcism and also towards the end of it, at our parish, we had several storms come through at the time when the last exorcism had been done. One after the mass on that Saturday and it knocked out all of the lights in the church, but they were able to get the lights back on before our nine o'clock mass. The second time was the longest around the 4th of July. This was right around the time of the final exorcism. We were doing the exorcism in the church. So the final one was in the church. And Latoya's mouth was moving, but nothing, no sounds were coming out. <sighs> the lights went out. Later, she told me that she was trying to tell me that something was trying to lift her up. The demon may have tried to gather that energy to do that, but because we were in the church, they were not able to. After the 4th of July, we had another storm come in, and it knocked out all the power for more than one day. It was 90 degrees at our church, and it was horrible. Trying to sleep at about 85 degrees at night, but then they got the power back on 30 hours later. Then another storm came and knocked the power in our church again. We had mass by candlelight, and we brought out these candelabras and lit all of the candles. That was beneficial because the week after that, right in the middle of mass, the power went out again, and we brought in the candelabras and lit the candles again without missing a beat. We have never lost power like that before or after ever again. The idea of somebody with their mouth moving and no words coming out <gasps> gives me the heaps. I hate that. Yeah. A lot. Just the... the... <sighs> No, yeah. thank you. No. That is creepy. Um, so fun fact about the house afterwards, and um, Zach Bagans, ghost hunter guy, he bought the house. Oh, of course he did. He moved in. Oh, no. He lived there and recorded everything that was possibly going on in the house. Uh-huh. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Okay, so you made this available. It's called Demon's House, or Demon's House, or Demon House. And I haven't watched it, because when I was doing this research, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was like, mm-hmm. book that, no thank you, no. Kara's not awake, so Pass. I can't, no, so. and <laughs> Not watching those by myself. Not by myself. Part of his research and living there, he demolished the house, and that's on the video reportedly as well, so... The house is now demolished. Okay. And 
it was last owned by by Zach and his team. So it's all part of a documentary that he did. Cool. And it supposedly shows just some paranormal activity. So there is stuff that is still going on at this house. Correct. Okay. Uh, I believe, well, if anything, the exorcism was to relieve whatever was attached to, to LaToya. Okay. And not with Zach, but with another production company, LaToya and her mom have signed movie deals. Not much has come from them, but there's, I mean, someday in the future we might see a movie about this. So that'd be really interesting. That would be really interesting. And then... After the demolition of the house that Zach uh, organized, he has a, I don't know if it's his company or, or store, but whatever you call it, in Vegas, there's like a house of weird haunted stuff. Yes! Oh my gosh. And yeah. the stairs in the basement are there, and artifacts mm-hmm. from the house are there as well. And I'll show you pictures of the basement when they're still installed in the house. Yeah. Creepy AF. Like, no thank you. These stairs are dilapidated, and no thank you. I would not go in that house. No. I would. That's where I would draw the line. Have you heard about the stuff that's in that house? No. Oh, my gosh. Is there just stuff from, like, it's like dolls? Like, I can't do dolls. Nope. There's dolls everywhere. No, nope, I can't do dolls. No. I can't. They have said that, the, like, they have some of, like, the darkest, most haunted stuff in that house. Like, things that you're not allowed to touch, things that are in rooms that you're not even allowed to enter. Like, just really dark, dark stuff in that house. As much as much as I love a good horror movie and like creepy stuff and like going into abandoned churches and just I don't like in to general, I'm not going to go into a house where there's a thousand sure plus things that are possessed or were once possessed or no thank you yeah pass yeah no that's too weird i've been i've even been to a torture museum and i wouldn't go into a haunted place museum like that there's a torture museum yeah i went to a torture museum in um amsterdam what kind of sick sick people (laughs) it had like uh oh god i always say this word wrong is it uh Guillotine, right? I always say guillotine, but... I don't know what that is. The, the head chop. Uh, a guillotine. And there's things that are completely unimaginable, like the coffins where people would get closed in with nails. Uh, and there's Just seeing that on that, Matilda was bad mm, enough for me. No. But, you I know, mean, they're not possessed. Or once possessed. So I can endure that. Oh, I can no. watch that. That's just... You know, morbid curiosity, but to go into a house full of shit like that, no, thank no. you. I'm gonna pass on both of those. Yep. I'll so, be. Uh, I'll be that way. You can I'll be me. outside with a foot tall drink. Very busy. I'm super super busy. You know, flights to Vegas were now like fifty bucks. Oh my gosh, trip. they're pennies right now. But there's nothing to do because the casinos are closed now. Oh, I know. So. My friend lives there, and she took a video of the strip Ooh, the other day, and it was empty. That's rough. She's like, it's spring break. This is Ooh, very weird. That's right. So yeah, that's the story of the two hundred demon house. Crazy. Oh my gosh. And there's interviews, and I'll we'll post some links on. Um, our Facebook group page, if you haven't joined, go ahead and join it. There's always 
Um, we, we're trying to put some extra information or links after episodes just so you don't have to go and dig the internet. We've dug it for you. We're putting it all in one place. So join the group Stranger Danger Murder Lovers. Yeah. And we'll post some links there to some of the interviews that LaToya and Rosa have done. And if you have Amazon Prime, I'll put the link on there to go straight to Zach's Demon House documentary so you can watch that there. I I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. That's a lot of demons. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steer clear of that. Yeah, so I don't know if it's all... So there's never... Do they do tours or anything like that? It, it was demolished. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. before it was demolished, people... When the news broke in Gary that this was happening people swarmed to the house would walk by the house try to take pictures with the house and that's how Zach got wind of it and moved into the house I wonder if it was demolished because people thought it was haunted or if it was demolished because that's just the state of affairs that Gary Indiana is in no it got demolished on purpose by Zach Oh, okay. he's the one that he's the one that did it and I think it was because he he must Even, have really found something in there he didn't like. Well, that's the thing. After, uh, I didn't watch the documentary, but I read some things on it, that after he moved out, even now, years after, he, well, he's he's a weird guy. He's one of our own, right? But he says he um, kind of misses the house and that there was always activity in the house. Pass. <laughs> so I'm sure he tore it down because a normal person probably couldn't endure it and yeah. he probably wanted to save someone from the, from having to go through that again. That's so nice of him. I don't, I don't as much him. as I would have loved to have driven by the house, it's an empty lot now, which is yeah. okay by me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. If I had 200 demons, I'd burn it. Same. I'd burn it. Yeah. Throw some sage in there too. <laughs> all the sage. All the things. Just throw them all in there. I don't care if it's not fire season paper, or not. Though. We're no, on a toilet paper don't shortage. Throw the toilet paper. <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> Save the toilet paper. Oh my God. If you guys have any <laughs> spooky haunted stories of places or you want to tell us how you're surviving Corona 2020. We want to hear about it. So you can email us and that can be done at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. We will post photos and all of that jazz over on the Instagram page at a stranger danger podcast. All right. So you can go over to the Facebook page, stranger danger, colon, a true crime podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I would suggest joining the group. There's posts on the Facebook page on how to do that. And again, we we will show you all of our research material, show you pictures um, that we don't want to flood your Instagram with. And, you know, if we find gory pictures, not in this case, but in others, that's where they're going to be. So that's one place. Get out all over there. Yeah. Get on over there. And you can also find us on Twitter. Go to Twitter. Tweet us. Retweet us. Resplund. Resplund? Resplund. Resplund. Using SD True Crime Pod. That's it. Okay. Bye-bye. Good luck, you guys. Stay healthy. Wash your hands and uh, fist bumps only. Okay, bye. Bye.